ask away. We're going to have a talk about the community-based learning, team-based learning, and I, a lot of people have questions. And since this is new and hasn't been done before, I think it's really great that you, you ask a question and you put me on the spot and make me try and come up with an answer. So first off, because this is an essential part in the composing process, ask a question. I think, I think putting things into questions is, is, a, is an important step. So instead of me trying to figure out what you want to know, tell me what is it I can tell you. Uh, well, I guess I was I watched the uh, video going over the timeline and instructions, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I was honestly kind of confused on. I saw we're supposed to do six hours of community service, and I was kind of confused on honestly just what exactly we're supposed to do. Well, I believe in giving students a little bit of freedom. You know, and I think a lot of times when teachers in the past at JCC have done community service with the, through the, the, the Office of Community-Based Learning here at JCC, it tends to be one teacher has a really close relationship with one community, community group. And the teacher seems to be kind of top-down directing that, facilitating it, which, which would be make things a lot easier. The way I envision this is I, I gathered information from students and I gathered and then I tried to put students into groups so that um, we could match as best as we can student interests with possibilities, with opportunities. And team-based learning is, is usually one of the things my students for the you know, 90% or better, 95, like the best out of my class. I do take it seriously and there's some accountability built in. So it's not just group work the way you might've done before. A lot of people have bad experiences with good group work. Mm -hmm. And for my purposes as an English teacher, working with your group, working with your team will accomplish the goals of the class. Mm -hmm. But this semester, and, and usually we try to pick something that makes the world a better place. We find a problem we want to solve. Connecting our, our groups with, with community needs, I like it because it kind of makes it more likely that we won't, we're not just jumping through hoops, you know, even if we no matter what, we're going to try and make things a little bit better for somebody who needs things to be a little, a little bit better. That's my goal. I tried to put, get a mixture of introversions and extroversions, that, but I took into account engagement with social media, engagement with, with you know, comfort with working with outside groups, introversion, extroversion, and student interest in the four or five choices we had where I'd reached out and, and made contact with service group leaders. Which group were you in? I'm in the animal shelter. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I don't remember who all exactly. Well, you just the names met. of them at least. <laughs> and phase one is team building. All right. And phase one is learning to use the group work tools in Canvas, which I'm really kind of excited about. This is challenging. This is new. There's only one person in the ed tech area who knew how to do the things I wanted to do through Canvas. Turns out it can do some really amazing things, but I wanna make sure everyone's comfortable using the tools. I can actually grade individually and as a team, so I can hold, people can be held accountable for like if they're just blowing. I think everyone's been in a team group-based activity where one person just didn't do anything, dead weight, and they still yeah. got the grade, you know? And some of my best students are really like, tend to like, oh God, not again, because, they're the ones that end up doing everything. Mm -hmm. And no, to quote, I think it was Sartre, hell is other people, you know, I want you to work with other people. And that's kind of, for my goal, that communication 
that interaction with each other is kind of what helps us, me, assess goals for our class. Also, I'm introducing some stuff on citations and some MLA stuff that I think students are really good at learning from each other because I do believe very strongly in peer learning. And I, I'm, I have a real problem with too much information. I can overwhelm people, if especially if it's something I care about, like teaching or grammar. And believe it or not, grammar and teaching are two things that will put people to sleep better than almost anything else. I could almost be passive aggressive and talk about something I care about. I can, I surely have done that before, you know. I was approached in a, a cafe when I was traveling once by someone and it's like, what are you reading? And it's like, okay, I'm just going to be completely honest. And I start a lot like, you know, explaining the data and how I can't really understand the, the what it did. The, I'm probably, see what I'm doing it now. I'm over communicating. I'm too many words. Whereas if you're working with another student, they'll just get to the point and say, yeah, do this, right? Don't do that. You don't care why, you know, sometimes you do. And that's why, as I've said this before, in my teaching theory, Bad teachers answer questions nobody asks. So I'm trying to fix my tendency to over-communicate or throw too much, overwhelm people with, with, with stuff I care about that may not be relevant to you. I'm trying to, to temper that by, by letting stu getting students to interact with each other. I do want people to ask questions. If there's something about you don't understand, let me know. I'll, I can, I'm more than happy to talk about it. That's another thing. It's like I have had classes in how to use word processors as early as 1989, 91, 91, excuse me. And a lot of things have changed, but I, that was a big foot up, leg up uh, for me. And so that I've had an advantage to build on when it comes to understanding word processing. And that's something I don't think enough, most students don't get enough word processing, you know, just simple, you know, a lot of it's easy. It's like, you know, listen, control two double spaces, you know, Control A selects all. It's awesome. But in, until you're ready to learn that, you know, you're not really going to. With teaching, again, I'm starting to over communicate with teaching, but being with the right information at the right time is key, not just flooding people with information. And so team based learning, I think, helps me accomplish these goals pretty well. So there's a reason for it. But don't be afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. Back to the community based learning part. Now, the way it's been done in the past by other classes. I think they would give like 10 hours over the semester, each student. But that was not during COVID. That was not during a, an asynchronous online class. We have some unique challenges this semester. And so ideally, I get if we could get in the next three to four weeks, six hours community service logged by your team as a whole, I would be happy. And if you mm -hmm. get more than that, they will, if we could get 10 hours, there would be a TV movie about our class. Oh, really? Yeah, man. I mean, people are going to want to see because there's a big demand for anything that's educational and even mildly entertaining. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the jokes professors make in class aren't that funny, but people laugh because it's the best you're going to do in school. The bar is pretty low when it comes to entertainment. And if we can get this to work with all the challenges we face, yeah, I, I just, I'm worried that they're going to try and get Jim Belushi to play my part. And I really don't want Jim Belushi playing me for, for, for reasons that we don't need to go into right now. He's, everybody uses Jim Belushi. No one knows why. 
No, I, I think we have some really good opportunities. And what I've discovered is that a lot of students are, uh, are just really better people than I am. And I think that's awesome. There are quite a few students who are actually already working with a community partner. They're already volunteering. And I, want to, I wanted to create a, an opportunity for those students to build on what they already have, to do something they already care about, they're already invested in, and, and, and to share that with the class. And so I don't know, now your food pantry, you're not pet food pantry, just, or are you pet food pantry? I thought we were just team. animal shelter. Animal? Okay. I have already talked to Steve Franklin. We have space, at least I haven't talked to him for about three or four months, but he said we can have about six square foot to split. Because he was thinking, you know, because he was already had this idea that you're probably too young to remember Hurricane Katrina, I'm guessing. When was that it? Was, I don't remember exactly. I was. I think I was little. Or, I was born in 2000. So. I, yeah, I was it was. It might have been. You might have been pretty young, like two, three years old, maybe. Yeah. Um, it was a weird deal. I mean, it it destroyed downtown New Orleans, which was, or a big chunk of it, Bourbon Street, I believe, anyway. But a big and almost an overwhelming majority of the population was African American, and no, most of them didn't move back. But one of the things they discovered was that there were people that would not leave, even though there's a, a hurricane, there's flooding, they won't leave unless they can do some, figure out how to, you know, their pets are really important to them. And the ones that did leave, they had packs of wild dogs running around, which was also another big problem. And people, they, they turned the, uh, whatever that big dome is in, uh, in New Orleans, they turned it into a refuge shelter and they would not allow people with pets in. So those people were like stuck outside. They couldn't go in and get water and sleep inside. It, the Red Cross was not equipped to deal with pets. Hmm. And, you know, it's in times of crisis, it seems like people don't anticipate really human. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Dante's Peak with Pierce Brosnan. Terrible movie, but it's one of those bad movies you can enjoy, you know, like a really <laughs> good B movie kind of thing. There's a volcano that explodes and there's like some grandma won't leave her house, you know. I think there might have been a dog involved too. And as a result, because we have somebody not, not wanting to save themselves, a bunch of kids go to save her and then everybody gets in trouble. People, you know, people are social and they have commitments to other people and also to pets. So you know, Steve Franklin was, was on board. You know, he was thinking about this even before I was and he offered me some. There's also, and I think I might have shared it in the module. There's also a KC Pet Project in another place in town. Usually what one of the English uh, teachers did, has done in the past, as part of this community-based learning, she had all our students writing, uh, writing pet bios to help get them the pets adopted. But guess what? The, one of the unexpected things COVID's done that's actually, I guess, nice. Pet shelters don't have pets. A whole bunch of people adopted covid puppies and kittens really it's like they, get, they were stuck at home they were bored so i've contacted the, at least three different pet four different pet places certain that, that serve pets and animals none of them have a problem they said no we're empty you know we've we've already <laughs> you know we don't have any pets right now they're not worried about that they're worried about uh, pet food snacks that kind of thing one of your and by the way, this week, you're, you know, I want you guys talking to each other and figuring out, like, if one, some, one person in your team is comfortable talking to me, 
and will check in with me every now and then, which if you're comfortable with this, that that's what I, you. I typed in there that I was down to do it. So Well, and I'm thinking maybe we could save this audio or video or I'll let you decide if it should be audio or video. And I can post a link to it in your discussion thread so that the rest of the team can hear our conversation if you're cool with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And so maybe this is a good chance to ask any other questions you have. But yeah, I think one of the things I hear or I imagine I'm hearing, because if I were you, I'd be thinking this, how do we interact with the community partner? How, how is that regulated? I think it's good to find out if someone else, first off, is anyone else doing that kind of thing in your group? How is the group comfort with, I mean, if the only thing you're comfortable doing is donating food, like one thing a pet, a pet group could do is organize a food drive. And mm -hmm. we could put some buckets around campus. People could come in and donate food because I've got pet food I'm ready to donate, you know. I don't want anyone in my class pulling money out of their own pocket. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you if you want, I'm not saying that you can't donate something, but I think mostly you know, that's not going to solve the world's problems, you know. But if you can help create a system to 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 build a pet food pantry on JCC campus, and we have an opportunity because because the food pantry is open to that idea, you know, expand. They'll give us a little space, and then mm -hmm. people who have pets that go to school that need they need food for them, and that's available. But where are they going to feed the pet, you know? that that mm -hmm. might be a way to serve the JCC student community as well. And if you get too much food, you can always donate it as well to the KC Pet Project or the other pet. I'm not, without looking at my notes, I forget the name of some, them all. There's a, there's a pet shelter too, I think. You know, you can also talk about, are there, are there other places in the community you could put, you know, and the thing is, talk about this. You're getting points from me as a teacher to have these conversations, to document the proposal you know, and run it by me first. But mm -hmm. like, is there a place you could put a bucket? Like they do, like they do harvesters, which is a food drive right before Thanksgiving on campus all the time. And you'll see those buckets in the community too, big bins. When people go shopping, they can drop something in there. That may be a longer term solution that we could reach out to the community. I don't know. If, yeah. um, I don't know. Pet. Um, I do have at least one of my students is working at. Um, I think there's actually a girl in our group that works at a pet store. Oh, yeah. Uh, and maybe, and maybe, yeah, maybe she could talk to her job about if there's anything, any way we could collaborate, you know? And yeah, so, put, put like a bin there for people to donate extra pet food. Yeah. Yeah. And, and find out what, you know, if, if they, if they're, they may be interested and have suggestions um, we want to listen to. You know, I think a good lesson is don't assume you always have all the answers. When you're dealing with community partners, listen to their ideas, you know, listen to their needs. And if they see a community need that the school, that, that your project could help, we could go beyond mm -hmm. just raising, collecting food for the JCC pet pantry. Maybe there's some, another way we could collaborate with whatever pet store that is to serve, to otherwise serve community. Find out who to talk to, who we should send email to. Don't be, sh and clear, discuss it with the group and make, and give me a heads up. Let me look at it before. I, I want people to be proactive and engaged, but I also have certain nightmares 
there was a, a, a JCC Prof, not me, that was doing, that was having, doing something involving um, healthcare. And one of their students got this idea. It was a group of them. And they had a team thing too. And so the team got the idea that they would fake heart attack in the elevator. And so people would see, push the button in the elevator to open up and there's somebody on the floor spazzing out. And then they record or observe what people did. That was messed up. It was, first of all, you're doing research on unsuspecting people, which is unethical. I think probably illegal. There's like rules for teachers and faculty. Probably sue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the teacher freaked out. Like, what the hell? No, you did not. No. Of course, the student thought it was like they do it on TV. You know, it's like punked or something. It's like uh, that's TV number one. Number two, I don't like that show. God, I can't think of his name. But anyway, yeah, can't do that. You can't do harm, which is one of the rules I have in there. And that I don't know if you read that longer form overview. The video basically explains what's going on in their overview. So hopefully at least one person in your group reads that, at least one person in your group watches that video and then you talk to each other about it. You know, I encourage you guys to, if you guys want to do a Zoom to talk to each other, you guys can arrange that. It's not necessarily required, but if you do take notes, write down the time you did it, come write down a few conclusions and you can log that as, we. I, I'd say log it. I. But keep track of that kind of stuff because that's that's work, that's effort, that's that's productive, you know. And you know, not every keep in mind, not every student is going to be comfortable doing everything, you know. But hopefully, everyone contributes in their own way. And you guys, mm -hmm. I want you guys to negotiate that, you know. I want you guys to feel like everyone's contributing equally or complementarily. Yeah, that is a challenge, you know. But. Well, and you know, I don't want to repeat things that are already in that in that um, in that other lesson thing that that twenty minute video, but yeah, the, being able to work together in teams is one of the top three things local businesses say they want from the people they hire that graduate from JCCC. It's consistently one of those two things, and that was one of the things I was least prepared for when I got my first real job. After my master, after my bachelor's, before I decided I want to go back and get my master's, I think I took a year off, year and a half, and that's the thing that I was least prepared for was working in teams. We didn't do that in college at all, and I was kind of, I was not unprepared. So that's one of the reasons I like team-based learning, uh, and that, and like I said, I think sometimes students can communicate better with each other. I think, and I think sometimes students enjoy it more. You know, learning should be fun. I don't think of the way I teach as top-down banking method bottles. You know, students are bottles to be filled with knowledge. You know, I think students are, you know, candles to light a fire, you know, to, to ignite, to, I want to help facilitate more than dictate, you know, what goes on. And so you have considerable opportunity here. We got a couple, three weeks to, you know, make something meaningful and useful happen. And then, you know, we kind of want to, another thing that, that's very real world applicable is that selling your success is a bigger part of the real world jobs than, than I was prepared for and that people realize. 
not just, you know, I, I, I was pretty good at accomplishing things, but I sucked at explaining what I accomplished. And I sucked at selling myself, promoting myself, interpreting my accomplishments in ways that reflected well on myself and my boss. Because the thing is, when you're in a corporate situation or a big company, you know, you're all working together towards similar goals. But when you, you succeed, the person above you succeeds as well. It's, it's not all conflict. There's conflict everywhere, but interpreting your experiences in a way that makes your team and your company look good is a skill. You know, sometimes I tend to focus on the negative sometimes too much personally. And that's something that, you know, in the last week and beyond, we'll be talking about how do we, how do we write this up? You know, how do we explain what we accomplished, what our goals were, the challenges we faced, you know, and, and like I said, if, if we do accomplish something useful and meaningful that we can feel good about, the last step in team-based learning is communicating what you learned and accomplished. And it could be through social media. It could be through, yeah, if it's, if it, things go south, you don't, we, we don't have to talk about it. But um, for the most part, I don't think I've had any knock on wood. Nothing's really gone that bad yet, you know, and I've been doing this for about eight, nine years, JCCC. You know, yeah, that's knock on wood. Thanks for telling you, but I try and keep an eye on things. But I think the students I've had have been overwhelmingly good people. This week, there's going to be confusion it, because you're getting a lot of freedom with this, which is also something that doesn't happen in high school. I, I give a lecture when I have people face to face and I can draw it on a whiteboard, you know. I, I have this, you know, this, this graph that I talk about how slowly as you get older, K through 12, you get a little bit more freedom, a little more freedom. And then you get to college, year one, boom, you just way more freedom. And it's overwhelming. And that's part of the reason my second semester freshman year, I just about got kicked out of school. Um, I did not, I had all that freedom and no one was holding me accountable. And I just sort of, I, I kept some good habits my first semester out of habit. And my second semester, it's like, no one's watching me. You know, no one's calling my mom if I screw up, you know. Turns out, you get too many D's, <laughs> yeah, they will call your parents. You're getting a lot of freedom and that can be, that's, that is a new experience and a very uncomfortable one for a lot of people. Draw on this, uh, the, the resources of your team, brainstorm. How can you, how can you take the, what might be vague objectives from me and do something you can be proud of? That's part of your goal. I'm not, nearly the fan of Dilbert that I used to be. I still think he's pretty funny sometimes, but he has a book called Thriving on Vague Objectives. And the relevance is that that's another thing that is really a common difficult experience for people when they start off after they get out of school and they start working at a bigger company or corporation. You're going to get vague objectives and you have to find a way to, it's, you can't just say that's my boss sucks and move on because so every, most people will tell you their boss sucks. How can you take a big objective and find a way to make it work personally that you care, that matters to you, that helps your company, that helps the world, you know? That you, you start, you figure out how to do that and build a pattern in your career doing that. You're gonna be quite successful. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to say some of these things. So I do appreciate it if you're cool with me sharing this with, with other people. Yeah, it's totally fine. Anything else on your mind? Does that answer it well enough for now?
yeah, I understand like what to do this week. Definitely. And talk to you and talk to your team about what you guys want to accomplish for next week. Cause I do think phase two is research and that's like in any inquiry based, I'm also inquiry learning. You know, you, you, you make something, you, you turn things into a problem. You think of things as a problem to solve. And that's kind of what we've gotten to that point. The next stage is you research the problem, which means talking to people that are invested, that have the problem, that are engaged with the problem already, and doing research, which is also one of the key learning objectives of our class 121, doing research. So these are convergent here. The assignments during phase two, I want people, each of you in the team will look for something relevant to pets, you know, in the database. You're using Summon, using JSTOR, one thing from JSTOR, because heads up, JSTOR is gangster. All right. You go online. I have to share this somewhere else. I'm not the first to figure this out, but higher education, what's wrong with the administration at my school is that they don't recognize, they think that higher, the higher education is like customer service, like we're Dairy Queen or Burger King or something like that. You know, the teachers are the waiters or the servers or something. No, higher education, the business model is really more closely related to the mafia. There's a lot of den deniability, plausible deniability. People will give you, a, that's one of the reasons you get vague objectives sometimes. Because, you know, we want to give, we want to encourage your own interests. But if your interest takes you in a, in, in a direction that might get me in trouble, I want to be able to say, no, I didn't say that. You know, JSTOR is the most gangster of databases. And my lecture on that is if you Google Aaron Schwartz, a young man took his own life at 21, 22, he was a genius. He was one of the founders and creators when he was like 14, I think. Something wow. insane, he was a genius. He, he created Reddit. Uh, oh, so Reddit? he's who created Reddit. Yeah, he's one of those dudes. Wow. Um, he was one of, and he, he also helped create Creative Commons, which is a whole structured legal concept for sharing coding and any sort of data or information in a way that other people can share. And, and he had this high-minded ideal of, of, you know, we could, we could cure cancer if we could just freely share all that medical research and data on the internet instead of hiding it behind firewalls at places like JSTOR, the largest database, which you, and it's expensive. If you want to go find data or research from JSTOR, it costs a fortune. But as a student at JCCC, we already took your tuition and paid to get you access. So oh, wow. that's, I really want, and the thing is, that's why I tell people, you find something you care about on JSTOR, download the PDF because that's yours forever. Mm -hmm. If you save a link, because they'll give you a permalink that works as long as you're logged in through JCCC. And they can take it away whenever they want and links break. But if you download a PDF, you can keep it forever and you're not violating the law. Well, what he did is he downloaded at 30,000 PDFs, I believe. And then he used something called Torrent. You know what that is? I've heard of it. Yeah, that's about how much I know. I know that you can share movies, songs, and data fast and books through mm -hmm. Torrent or BitTorrent, something like that. JSTOR got wind of that, sued him for like $30 million, something like that. Huh. And he ended up, yeah, that's gangster. Um, when you can get someone to kill themselves for you, that's that's about as gangster as you can get. But JSTOR is the place to get 
a lot of data you can't get anywhere else. And you can download it free while you're a student. And I, I, and I encourage that. If you're doing anything, and also when you're doing research, your team might talk about what keywords to use, like pets and, and hunger or food bank, or I don't know. You guys brainstorm some keywords to use in a keyword search. You're gonna find some work and some don't. Keep track and share what's a good keyword. But if you find out that one of you is interested in homelessness, and by the way, have you ever noticed that homeless people have the best behaved dogs? Because they spend so much time together. Um, if one of you is interested in, okay, a health issue, I mean, dogs have been used to diagnose and treat and diagnose cancers. They can smell it. They've been used to diagnose and treat PTSD, emotional, with, they've been used with drug issues. If you guys have specific issues, you can each go in slightly different directions. And then you, next phase two, you share what you found and then you all pick, oh, well, that looks more interesting than what I found. We'll pick the one that everyone likes and that's what you guys read. Don't worry about writing a research paper because that's not really what's going on now. We're, we're collaborating, we're learning about a topic and we're sharing research that we, we like to read the most. Because it doesn't matter how good research is if you're not interested, you don't read it. Mm -hmm. You know, a book that's not read is not a very good book. Okay, it's gotta be one that people will read. And so gee, now I've mentioned yeah, a little bit my theory behind it, which people get hot, hung up on the way you were taught composition in high school teachers will give you a thesis statement. And believe me, if I want a good paper, that's what I would do. But that's weird. People don't understand. That's not really my goal. I don't really, that's not my priority. It's not about getting five good papers from your team. I want each and every one of you to, to become better writers. I mean, and you think, well, yeah, better writers write better papers. Yes. But if I focus on the paper, it doesn't help you become a better writer as much. So I'm willing to sacrifice the quality of the paper for the learning of the student. And here, this is where I can probably get into that over-communicating area. But if something doesn't make sense to a student, like, what? what? But it'd be, it'd be, it'd just tell me what you want and it'll make a better paper. Yeah, but figuring out what you want makes you a better writer. So I will resist giving easy answers sometimes, which will frustrate people. In much the way some of my good, better teachers frustrated me. I, I Believe me, I would get so frustrated with some of my teachers in the past. One of the ways that my good teachers frustrated me was making me figure out what I really wanted, you know, what I cared about, you know, giving me a little freedom, even though that was frustrating. I'd probably get better evaluations if I just told you what thesis statement to write, but don't worry about thesis statements. Don't worry about what you're going to try and prove or argue. You just... In, the, in this team-based learning thing, you're becoming informed. Mm -hmm. And I want you to, to find research that informs you, that interests you, and then we'll worry about a paper later. This is backwards from the way a lot of research is taught in high school and even by some of my colleagues in college. But I think it's the way that good writers and successful writers who write a lot, you know, they don't, they have a question, but Really, the difference might be that we're just more comfortable changing our question. You know, I might have a thesis in mind, but I'm not, I'm very, I'm not committed to it. I start doing research and realize, you know, I'm going in a different direction. That's fine. 
The problem with having a thesis statement first is that sometimes you stop looking for, you get confirmation bias. And that's something I wanna talk about with people is this confirmation bias, when you have an, an answer you're looking for, you, don't, you stop seeing things that don't fit your answer. Mm-hmm. And this is how we get a lot of fake news BS. You know, people are, well, that doesn't fit my answer. So, you know, I've had students write papers about corporal punishment, you know, about corporal punishment, punishing the body. And I've had students, all their research says that, you know, beating kids does not help them learn. And believe me, I've studied education. I got a PhD in education. And I have thought about this particular question a lot. And my, my beliefs have evolved tremendously from the time I was 18, 24 to now. They really have. But I've had several students, all this stuff they find is saying that beating kids is bad, but their conclusion will be, well, but you should still beat your kids because, well, my parents beat me and I turned out perfect. It's like, really? You, you're perfect. <laughs> the best that anyone could ever be. You could not have been any better than you are at this moment. And I've had the same sort of thing happen with, you know, people, they start out with a thesis statement in their mind. Oh, someone works at a tanning salon, you know. Well, it turns out that they, you can get cancer and it's not necessarily healthy to, to go do that fake tanning all the time. But then it's like, but I work there. So they still conclude that it's safe. But they have no research to back that up. Or, you know, and the research they find is not that good. You know, or they take it out of context. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I want people to not, you know, we'll talk about thesis statements later in the semester. We'll talk about what you might want to argue. But at this point, we're, we're just doing shared research to become better informed. We're not worried about trying to prove or disprove something. And I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to get that out. Well, Any other questions? I think that is all okay at least off right now well thank you because i'm going to try and edit this down and provide it maybe i'll maybe i'll just do audio because people don't need to see my face oh but by the way that my background i'm gonna start using that more often when my dad (laughs) died when my dad died um instead of flowers because the english department sends flowers to everybody who has a parent die or spouse or whatever i I chose instead to have them donate to the food bank at JCTC. And I made, oh, and wow. I said protein, because they're always looking for protein. People donate. People tend to donate vegetables that they have in their, in their cabinet that they're, that they meant to eat, but they never eat. Often <laughs> they're expired, you know, but they, they have trouble. Food banks are always looking for proteins. So I told them to take that money, buy proteins and donate it to the food bank. And you, and so you might think about with your team, what are things that people with pets, people in need with pets might need? Maybe, you know, I suggest food, but maybe you talk to some community members and interview them. And by the way, you talk to, say one of your people works at a food, a pet place, and they interview the boss, write down the date you did that, cite that as a source and take notes or write up the notes afterwards. You don't have to record it. If they're cool, go ahead and record the audio. You know, they might tell you, well, really, what people really need are leashes or I don't know. What is it that people, you know, and are they worried more about the pets or the people who own the pets, you know, and you'll find different things. So be open. Listen, you know, don't assume you know everything until you've had a chance to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Respect the, the knowledge and information that your team has. And then when your team reach out to other people, you know, tell them to respect the knowledge and information that 
that the people you interview have. Mm-hmm. And do make it, make sure you communicate with the team at least, and hopefully with me before you start. Especially if you're doing it remotely, I don't think there should be a problem, but I don't want people going into other people's homes or putting themselves at any sort of danger or risk. You know, I want people to be careful. I'm really uncomfortable with a lot of things happening outside the classroom, but we're all remote and we're all online. So it's something we want to be careful about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to be hypervigilant when it comes to their own personal safety. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. But I want to be clear about my goals and, and my priorities. And again, your health and safety is number one priority. All right. And then the next priority is doing something good for other people. And engaging with the community is probably number three. Well, and communicating with your team is number three. Four is engaging with the community. Okay? All right. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks you for the help.